what that means. Okay, go Broncos. All right. Any other fans in here? You should probably be quiet. Uh, but we're glad, we're glad that you're here today. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming out. We're glad that you're at Church Project. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, we're going to be going through uh, a different portion of the Bible today, but typically what we do is, is we open a book of the Bible and we study it from beginning to end, and we just kind of see what God has in Scripture, and, and we read it and say, God, speak to us. And so we hold the Bible in high regards. So if you have your Bible today, if you would, open it up. We are going to hit pause on what we've been doing, and we're going to do a week that just is a standalone message today. Today, uh, we are going to be looking in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at three verses. Acts chapter 5, verses 17, 18, 19, 20. Well, that's four verses. But we're going we're to be looking at Acts chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 17. Uh, but I want to ask this. How many of you are excited for the Super Bowl today? Okay, that's good. A few hands, a few woot woots. Um, yeah, we're excited for the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm particularly excited for the halftime show, Coldplay. Uh, I, I love Coldplay. Uh, I wish I was there to listen to Coldplay. I, I, some of their favorite hit songs that I like are Summer of 69, if you know Coldplay's Summer of 69 song, or I've Got Friends in Low Places. That's one of my favorite hits from Coldplay, or, or even uh, Wind Beneath My Wings by Coldplay. Like, I'm super pumped to listen to them play, and if you know what I'm talking about, then I am completely butchering the songs of Coldplay, which is just in line with this. If you're part of our email list, then you know that I had to send an apology this last week. Yes, I do know the quote that I gave last week was C.S. Lewis. I apologize for everyone that I misquote. I, I saw so many people smirking that I've realized that as a communicator, if you say something stupid, people start whispering and pointing and laughing, and I think I got a booger on my nose or something, but I realized it was a wrong quote, so let me give you the proper quote for last week, okay? It was C.S. Lewis, and it was for the Prince of Caspian, the return of Narnia on pages 148 and 149, and this was the quote, he led them to the right of the dancing trees. Whether they were still dancing, no one knew. For Lucy had her eyes on the lion, and the rest had their eyes on Lucy. Beautiful quote. I misquoted it. I apologize. So, anyways, welcome to Church Project. Glad that you're here. We've been studying through the book of James, and we've been going through, we just made it through the first chapter of the book of James, and what I love about it is when we put it in its proper context, um, it is the early church. Like it is the church, there's so much synergy and so much stuff happening around um, people that the person of Jesus Christ is just, you know, resurrected from the dead and there's so much energy. Maybe, maybe some say about 20,000 Christians during this time and they're all in one place. But then persecution breaks out against the church, and, and um, Christians have to spread, and it's called the diaspora. They begin spreading and going to little villages, and this is, the, this is the early church, and this is what's happening, like centralized, and God uses the diaspora and the spreading of the church to grow what we even know today as the church. If they were all to be in one place, we might not have the church as to what it looks like. I would say we would not have the church as it looks like today. The best way I can illustrate it, and, and some of us, this hits really close to home, is the, the Colorado fires that we've had, you know, the last 
five, even ten years, and, and you see the fire, and what starts with a little spark suddenly just, just turns into this blaze of fire that, that takes us tons of resources to, you know, to, to make the fire go out. And we've seen the devastation of fire in Colorado, and it all happens from one little spark and, and a little bit of wind that takes that spark and just spreads the fuel to trees to trees to houses and devastating what fires can do. But we also know that fires uh, out of death produces life. And we also know that, that it'll be years, maybe not our lifetime, but it'll be years when, when the forest starts growing again, the trees start growing again, and they grow in a healthier manner. And it's quite often times that we see out of death brings life. And we see the early church and we see this diaspora of 2,000 years ago when Christians were in one place and because of persecution, they have to spread and they have to take this message out into the wildernesses and they have to go. And this is how the church grows. The wind of persecution and the wind of rebuilding and splintering of the church the last 2,000 years is why we're here today. It's the strength of the church. Because it was hard, because God grew it, because people went and left, and because they couldn't be in one place anymore, that is the strength of the church. Just look around Greeley, just Greeley alone. I'm texting my friend Angel Flores, you know, just right before our, our gathering here, and he's the pastor of Mosaic Church, and, and we're just, you know, bantering back and forth and having fun with each other, and I'm saying, go kill your message, man, go have fun, and enjoy your, your people at Mosaic Church, and he's doing the same thing and talking about church project. Listen, when, when God grows his church, it's not going to be in one location for one people. It's going to be worldwide. And that's why I love studying James. And, and what I wanted to do today was I wanted to take a pause, and I wanted us to jump into the book of Acts for very specific reasons. But I want us to have in mind this diaspora thing and how the church grows. I, I want us to have this in mind. But let's jump to the book of Acts, and now we see the early church and how they're moving. So Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. If you have one of those blue Bibles, you can open it up to page 631. There's a blue Bible on the ends of the rows or, or over on the lamp next uh, on either side. And so open that up to page 631. Let me read Acts chapter 5, verse, starting verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, uh, 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 the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand at the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Let me put it in context what's happening. This is the early church. Early church. There's so much energy. There's so much stuff that's happening. People are learning of the resurrection of Jesus, and, and they're preaching, and they're teaching, and miracles are happening. And you can look at just a few verses before. I mean, there's miracles that are happening. Do you believe miracles happen? Do you believe they can happen today? Like, there's things that are happening, there's movement, and the leaders that are in charge of this movement, they see that the apostles are doing these wonderful things, and the church is growing, and they see this, and they're filled with jealousy, and then we enter into these verses right here. So let's begin to look at them. Verse 17, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, did you catch that? 
the leaders of this early church, the high up guys, the ones that, that know it all, the studied, the well-educated, the, uh, the up to the ups, those people, they are filled with jealousy because these apostles, these teachers of the word of God, incredible things are happening and they're filled with jealousy. Jealousy. Romans chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, talks a little bit about jealousy. This is what Romans 13, uh, verse 13 says. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Wow. Look, look at the company that that word's in. Not in jealousy. Rather, rather, church, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Amen? These leaders are filled with jealousy, we see in verse 17. And it's the same jealousy, the same stuff that we can be filled with. Jealousy leads to us looking at another family and saying, I want that. And that's where affairs begin, can stem from. But jealousy can lead to us looking at that house and, and wanting that because our neighbor has that. So we go into deep debt to match that. Jealousy. Jealousy can cause us to look at what we don't have and, and not like our version of what God's given us. And, and then we're just not content with our life and our situation and we're filled with jealousy. Like we can go through a list of about a thousand things jealousy can produce in us. But we see here this, this high priest, the top of their game, they are jealous of the apostles and they want to bring them down. Because of all this momentum and all this life that's happening. Church, do we get jealous when we look at other people? Do we get discontent when we look at other people and, and other scenarios and, and what God is doing and, and we long for that thing that we don't have? And maybe this is one of the things that we can begin to internalize just here in this place is, are we content? Are, are you content with just being a child of God in this place? Because the things of life will come and go. The flashy things will come and go. What we're part of will come and go. And where we work will probably come and go. And whether the Broncos win the Super Bowl or not, like we're so hopefully all going to wake up tomorrow and come and go. And the things of this world are just fading. But do we get jealousy and do we get discontent when we think about the things of the world? Or are we content with being a child of a king? As Christians, we are children of a king. And we find our confidence in him and him alone. So here we see in these verses, normal men, children of a king, and people that are higher ranked, better educated, on top of their game, filled with jealousy. Huh. We see it in the news all the time. And we see those that are very gifted and most famous stars and have a ton of money and the richest people, whatever, finding that their temporary fulfillment in this life is just not satisfying. And they look across the fence or they, they look across the yard and they're filled with jealousy. As children of a king, as, as his children, James 
is, is charging at us and we see the early church and we see the results of what can happen when we're not focused on God in our life. So we see that in verse 17. Let's move to verse 18 and 19. So they're filled with jealousy and then verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But, I love this, this would be a little freaky if it happened. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Anyone ever had something like that happen to you? A little weird. Kind of cool, though. Imagine if you're in that place and you're arrested, you're in jail. All of a sudden, an angel opens the door and brings them out. And you're thinking, am I dreaming? Like, what's going on here? But what we see happening in this early church and with these people right here is no prison so dark and so strong that God cannot visit and fetch us out. There is no prison so dark and so strong that God cannot visit and fetch us out. Some of us feel like we're in prison today. Or we've just gotten out of prison, or we may even be heading to prison, and if not literal prison, hopefully not. But some of us feel like we're in a prison today. We look at our schedules, and we feel like we're in prison. We look at our addictions, our pains, our sorrows, our hurt, our self-worth. Are fighting depression. Some of us feel alone and abandoned. And I, I, just, I just have to say this. There's no prison so dark and so strong that God can't visit and fetch us out. Here we see them in actual, literally in prison. And the angel shows up and fetches them out. Now some of our prisons, quite honestly, are prisons that we've self-built around ourselves. Like, we've put ourselves into these prisons by our actions, by our thoughts, by whatever it may be. Some of us, though, we we may find ourselves in a prison that we were drugged into by our hair, kicking and screaming. Like, this great thing was forced upon us, or this scenario was forced upon us. And quite honestly, this morning, we sit there today, we sit here today, and we say, we're in a prison. Well, here's hope. And here's, here's, what, here's what God's saying, and here's what the early church is teaching us at this time, is call out to him if you find yourself in a prison today. Like call out to him. Say, God, please, in this place, visit me and fetch me out of this prison that, that I am in right now. We go to verse 20. So they're arrested because of jealousy. They're put into jail. An angel comes and visits them and brought them out. And the angel says this in verse 20, Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. And these are such powerful verses when we look at them. These these apostles, they've been freed both spiritually because of their salvation their trust in, in Jesus and who he was and what he had done, and their complete rescue from the, the prison of just their dark actions and who they were. Like, they are, they are set free both spiritually with salvation and physically, as we read here. They're, they're let go of the physical prison that they're in. And now the angel says this, now, in verse 20, now go tell the world. Go tell the world that once you were captive, once you were in debt, once you were without, and Jesus has set you free. He's completely rescued you, both spiritually and physically. You have been set free, church. 
And he's speaking the same thing to us today. He's saying, if you have been set free, if you are locking your eyes with Jesus, you are set free. Now go tell the world. This is the diaspora. This is the church growing. People realizing that they once were without, without hope, in despair. And Jesus completely set them free. Paid the price for all their sin, all their inadequacies, for everything that they've done wrong, thought wrong, acted wrong. Paid that price. And so to go tell the world that you've been set free. This is a beautiful story that we see here. Now let's, let's fast forward. Let's fast forward from that point. Let's fast forward from these verses that we have right here. Let's fast forward in the diaspersion, the diaspersion of the church. And we see throughout the last 2,000 years, the church has taken took on shapes and sizes, and all different shapes and sizes all around the world. Just in Greeley, Colorado, you can, you can think and you can begin to ask, how many different churches do I know of? What's God doing in the different places throughout Greeley, yet alone the world? And so God has fast-forwarded us to this, this point, and we find ourselves today in this room called Church Project. Welcome, glad you're here. Usually not so many orange, but today, obviously, we're going to be dressed in orange a little bit. But we fast forward to today, and we find ourselves today sitting in the seat that we're sitting in. And we are uniquely designed to be who God has created us to be, church project. Here's, here's what we sit. We sit here. Is this the only way to do church? No. But I would, I would say this. Church project is flawed at best. <laughs> It's just, as I said last week, beggars that have learned to show other beggars where food's at. We're people that are flawed. We realize that we desperately need Jesus. But together we're running and we're doing it under the umbrella of church project. And it's, it's not the only way to do church, but it is a beautiful way to do church. God has called us as Church Project, and you can read it on our signs as you walk out, <laughs> or on our website. God has called us to make disciples, to meet needs, and to grow churches. That's what we do. Make disciples, meet needs, grow churches. It's, it's pretty easy. All, all along, while being biblical, holding the Bible in high regards, being simple. Like, we, we don't really flash this up that much. It's pretty simple. And then by being relevant, like we just, we want to speak a language that, that everyone knows because this message is a beautiful, beautiful message. And if, we're, and if we're not speaking it so people around us understand it and know it, then we're being irrelevant to the world around us. And so uh, we exist so we can make disciples, meet needs, and grow churches. And we're going to do this by being biblical, simple, and relevant. And I would add this, that at Church Project, it takes all of us individually Praying about where to plug in and serve this body. It takes all of us being a body. It takes all of us serving together to make this thing happen. It's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of what God is doing. 
It's the beauty of what he's been doing since the beginning of this, this, this Bible passage that we've read right here, the early church. It's the beauty of the diaspersion. It's the beauty of the church going here and doing this. It is the strength of the church. And the only way church project exists is that each of us, every day, we wake up and we pray diligently, God, why have you called me to church project? Why am I here? It's not just to sit in a chair but it's to be part of a body that's moving together in unison. We each have gifts and abilities that the person next to us doesn't have, and especially the guy standing up here probably doesn't have. And so church, let's do this thing. Like Let's move in mission together because we have a beautiful message that, that these Acts verses just shows us. And it's a beautiful reminder that once we were slaves... We were in prison. And because of that, Jesus has come and he set us free. He's paid that price and he looks at us and says, go be the church. Go share this beautiful message with the world at large. So why this message today? I am going to get to that in a minute. But this is what I'd like us to do. In light of these little verses right here, I'd like us to close our Bibles and to ask God to show us something beautiful today. It's not a lot, but there's a lot contained in these verses. So I'm going to ask us just to to close our eyes and begin to reflect on this a little bit if if you're comfortable with it. Seth, you can go ahead over there. I'm going to pray for us because I don't know what you, how you enter into this place this morning. If you enter into this place and and maybe you say, I I feel like I'm I'm part of, I don't know, something that, that is... It could be described as a prison, something going on in me right now. And man, I need to be set free from this thing. I'm going to pray for us that God would speak to each and every one of us. And God, thank you for bringing us here. I pray that the message that you have for us today is is a beautiful message. God, I pray that for each one of us, that you'll bring to mind things that You want to show us today, teach us things of who you are today. And I pray for each of us that if we don't know who you are, God, that even in this place today, we would we would say, God, please show me who you are. And teach me who I am in you. Some of us, we really do feel like this. There's a prison in our life. Some thought, some habit, something that we keep returning to. We feel like we're in bondage to this. And this is where God is whispering to each and every one of us today, saying, would you let go of that? 
Would you trust me that, that I just want to miraculously show up and I want to set you free from that prison? Would you stop holding on to that habit, that addiction, that hang up, that thought, that pattern, whatever lie that Satan is showing you? Would you let go of that? Would you trust me? As I've moved in, in people for thousands of years, he wants to move in you today. He wants to miraculously set you free from that prison that you may find yourself in. So if you find yourself in, in one of those today, would you just pray and, and even hold out your hands and just say, God, would you please move in me and set me free from this thing? And there's some of us, quite honestly, that in this room, we know that God is prodding us towards something, so some movement as part of his body. We know that God is stirring in us. He's, he's put it in our path, and we just can't get around it. Maybe it's a mission trip, or maybe it's serving in church project in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's something like that, but God, would you put that in our light and can we not get around it? Like, can we just not, not move around it? But God, would we embrace that thing? And would we enter into being part of this body as we serve each other? And we rally around this mission for Greeley and beyond. That your name would be known. God, would you bring that to light to us as well? God, I'd like to pray for everyone in this place, that this morning we would trust you, we would relinquish control of our life to you, and we would focus on you and what you're doing, God. This is about you, from you, and for you, not about us. In your name we pray, amen. He's, uh, he's writing in and out of history his plan for all eternity, for us to, to look back and see what he's doing in the face of Jesus. And the beauty of that is it's not an intangible story. It's a, it's a tangible story. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus, um, he's writing that story in you, with you, if you think about it that way. He, you are the pen to page that he's going to write on the history books for all time for his glory. And one of the things that as Emily and I have been processing and praying through and thinking about that story as it relates to us as a family is that God is calling us somewhere else away from Church Project to continue to grow the kingdom in a different way. And there's a lot of mixed emotions that come with that. If you've, uh, if you've ever been a part of a, of a body that's multiplied, maybe a small group or a house church, there's always like mixed emotions that come with that. There's um, like sadness and, and um, hardship. Um, but there's also excitement about the, the, the king and his kingdom. He's going to go forth and he's going to preserve and he's going to grow and he's going to shape it the way that he desires for it to be shaped. And so um, it's our desire to communicate to all of you just the blessing that you have been to our family over the last um, couple of years of being a part of this church, the way that you have blessed my son, the way, the way that you blessed my bride. I can't um, probably thank you enough for that. Whether that's a, a leadership piece, whether that's um, you individually, whether that's people within our house church um, or house churches that we've been a part of, um, you have marked us 
in really profound ways. And, and know um, that you will be greatly missed in our home. Um, and that we love you, um, but we need to be obedient to what God's calling us towards. And so um, I think probably the only um, couple cents that I would have is just I, I just would love to, to bless you all, pray for you right now in just a small way of, uh, of saying thank you for the way that you've blessed us. And so um, maybe we can do that together one last time. Lord, you are a, a big God writing a big story. A story that's going to echo through the rest of eternity about what you've done. Um, it's going to have your fingerprints all over it, Lord. And so there's things about that story that we may not necessarily understand why you did what you did. But one day, you're going to call all of your children before your throne and you're going to open the storybook. And you're going to read aloud for all to hear why you did what you did. And and one, and one uh, moment after a moment we will see the beauty of your story as being the, the best, the greatest, most glorious story of all stories. And so Lord, we, we want to believe that. We want to believe that as a church. We want to believe that as individual people, as it, re- as it relates to our lives and the things that you're calling us towards. God, we want you to be made great. We want your gospel to go forth in the city of Greeley so that it would affect all, changing all, so that you might be glorified. God, I know that is the heart of Church Project. God, I pray for just massive, amounts of blessing upon this church. I pray that you anoint men and women to build your church at at Church Project really the way that you would desire it to be built and to protect it, to nurture it, to care for it, to love it. Lord, have this place be a place that people come into it and and are known. and are ultimately known by you, that are loved, but ultimately loved by you. And I pray that as as our paths kind of diverge, Lord, that we would continue to hold the kingdom and our king in high regard. Pray that you bless those efforts, Lord. Bless our efforts as we desire to to faithfully follow your call each and every day of our lives. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Can we pray over you guys? Church, join me in in praying. Yeah, Chad, come on. God, I thank you for the Shelton family. I thank you for everything that, that you have, well, everything that we've experienced with them. God, how you have grown your kingdom with their family and church project from all the experiences that we had, all the kingdom fights that we've had together. And God, I, I pray from this point forward that whatever uh, road you take them down, that they march boldly, that they march passionately, that they know and, and, and they have deep, deep conviction that you've called them to the ministry that you put in their path. God, I pray huge success for them as a family. 
that they look each, look each other in the eye and love each other as a family and stay focused on you as they go and they make huge wakes in this world for your gospel message. Any distraction, any confusion, any um, things that Satan wants to throw their way, I pray that you remove that from their path. That each step is a joyous step as they march forward in life serving you. Thank you for the blessing that they've been to our body. And I pray that they continue to bless as they move forward. God, may your name be known in their life. May your name be known in church projects. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for who you are. May we reflect you with our entire being. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Surprise. Part of our our painful joy, painful joy, along the way is walking with a family or a few um, in in this life and then this thing called church project and then seeing when God moves them on. It's painful, but it's a diaspora. It's how he grows his church. People that we are part of at Church Project, we can already think some that have moved on and some that will continue to move on to other places. Dear people. uh, Special people. And Shelton's are, are included in that. And so as a church body, I just want to wrap up with this. It's beautiful when his body grows. And his body is growing today. But it's also a kick in the butt for everyone that's here. Shelton's are a huge part of what we do. House church pastor, Emily is the director of Project Kids. They're, they're, they're going to be missed in a lot of ways. But as a few of our elders met together last night, we didn't ask God, what, what do we do now? <laughs> but our, our questions and our conversations stemmed from uh, around this. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And church, let's continue to ask that question. God, what are you doing? And how can we align our lives in light of that? For some of us, it is a kick in the butt. We need to go see Aaron after this and sign up for Project Kids <laughs> to help volunteer in there. Uh, all of us, though, it's time to move and do this thing together. Let's just not sit still and just be a part of a consuming church on Sunday mornings, but let's purposefully get plugged in and house churches and build these relationships. Let's meet with our women on Sunday mornings. Let's youth go on the ski trips and or ski trips and journeys. Like all of us, there's ways to get plugged in, and I urge you, church, let's do this thing. It's going to take all of us moving together for this thing as we celebrate being set free from prison spiritual prison physical prison and we go to the temple court sharing the good news of Christ wherever we go let's do this thing together church amen I'm going to ask us to stand and we'll worship God for a couple more songs in this place I'd encourage you if you're urged to prompted to to go uh, hug on the Shelton's uh, pray for the Shelton's let's worship God in this place 
Um, go hug on Erin. She's missing a huge piece of the Project Kids that's moving on now. Sign up to volunteer in that place. One parent, one weekend a month. That covers everything here. But church, let's worship God as we move together in this place. Amen.